We never know what a week holds. This has been an eventful week for us in the passing of Sister Beverly, something that we did not expect, um, at least so soon. And so our hearts are burdened uh, for Charles and for Charmone and for Lawrence and their family in the, in the loss of our dear sister Beverly. And um, as we're burdened for each other in that, we're also joyful to the Lord for her faith and what we know her state to be now. So uh, keep in mind that our, our sadness um, and losses is, is for ourselves now, but it's certainly not for her. And so we rejoice to know that uh, she has been ushered in into the presence of God uh, where she longed to be and could not be in a better state and a happier place uh, than, she, there, than she is right now. So praise God. You know, with all that, I know I shed some tears just in the thought of it. And I know you all do, too, um, just just because she was so dear to us and we know she'll be missed. So we praise God for the fact that she was so close to us and uh, we ask God to uh, help us comfort and encourage one another, especially for Charles and especially for uh, Charmone and for Lawrence during this time. So we will share with you details as we uh, make them as we as those plans are made. We'll let you know. Um, those of you who are tied together in uh, email, um, certainly through our church email or prayer list is one way we'll do that, but uh, we'll try to get you. Um, um, so keep in mind of who you're in contact with, and, and we'll try to spread the word that way, either phone, text, email, uh, or in some way. All right, tonight I'd like us to, to look at Psalm 54. We're going to continue in our series through the Psalms because so many of them speak about prayer or the experience of life that calls us to pray. And here is both. It speaks about prayer and those experiences that called us to prayer. Psalm 54, it's very short, so I'm going to read it. O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name. O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. This psalm speaks to the life of David and some of the experiences that he had, and we see that it's really speaking of God's faithfulness to uphold and vindicate his servant against, against ruthless enemies. So God certainly does that. But in doing that for David, we can see uh, several things. There's several just points of, of um, uh, emphasis that I've made through this psalm. One is in that we see that God is our Savior and Deliverer. Look at verse 1 for that. God is our Savior and Deliverer. <clears throat> also in verse 1, we see this point of emphasis. God will vindicate so David was caught up 
um, buys uh, trouble from his enemies. And what he counted on, on for his help and vindication, he didn't take vengeance himself because he knew that God would vindicate him. Have you ever been in a situation where uh, you've, you've been uh, either wronged or maybe your word has been twisted and uh, you'd like to vindicate, you'd like to maybe get on a, I don't know, get on the internet, get on some speaker and tell everybody what the real truth is. It's not always possible for us to do that and, and uh, not always effective to do that. But to know and to trust that God will vindicate. What does vindicate mean? It means he takes up our cause for us, right? I was born number five in a line of six children. And so I had a bunch of vindicators in front of me. I knew if somebody did me wrong, I had an older brother or sister who would take up my cause and set things right. Uh, as I grew older, I had one younger brother that I became the vindicator for. 90% of the fights, and I had a lot of fights in school, 90% of the fights I had was in vindicating my brother. <laughs> because people were picking on him or, or threatening him, and I would come to the charge. So God is our vindicator. He's the one when people pick on us. We pray sometimes, God, get them. <laughs> Well, this is that prayer, and God acts on that. He lets us know that he will vindicate. Also, the third point I'll make here is in verse 2. God hears the prayer of his servant. That's a comfort to us. God hears our prayer. We're here tonight to pray, and we need to know that God hears our prayer. Now, the reason why it's a comfort for us to know that God hears our prayers, the fourth point I make that's in verse 4, we have an adversary. <laughs> we have an enemy. We have someone who is against us. In David's case, um, verse 3 says, strangers have risen against me. Um, ruthless men seek my life. Then he talks about the state of these men. They don't set God before them. In other words, they have no respect for God. They have no fear for God. That's a dangerous place to be in, to go against God's people and not have respect for God. And God is, 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 is letting us know that he will step in in that case, and he does that. <clears throat> verse 4 is similar to the point in verse 1. In verse 1, we say God is our Savior and our Deliverer. Here, God is our helper and the upholder of our life. Now, that's in this situation that David speaks of, but it's in any situation. Read verse 4 again. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. That's a verse that we really ought to memorize. And I think we ought to say it back to ourselves, you know, at 2 in the morning. When thoughts arise, the unsettling things stir our hearts. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Sometimes at, at those midnight hours in the middle of the night, I'm thinking, what can I do to keep things together? And the psalmist is reminded, no, it's God who does that. It's God who keeps that together. And the reason why that's a comfort is the reason why those thoughts terrify me at 2 in the morning is because I have a hard time keeping everything together. I know I don't have that ability to know what needs to be kept together or the power to do that, 
but God has both. And it's a comfort for me to just relax and say, wait a minute. God is my helper. He's the upholder of my life. So we need to repeat that truth to ourselves. Here we are, especially in the, in the, in the going, the passing of, of Beverly and the issues that are before us that we question, Lord, what are you going to do here? How are you going to work here? Um, basically, Lord, I'm hurting. Um, but we realize, Lord, you are the helper. You are my upholder. And so we rest in God for that. When we say God is the upholder, verse 5 makes it even more specific. He will return the evil to my enemies. Now, we might think we don't have enemies in the same way David does. David had physical enemies. He had flesh and blood, people who were trying to kill him, people who wanted to do him harm. Um, now, we might have people who might want to try to take advantage of us, but not always somebody who is set necessarily to kill us uh, at any given time. But we do need to remember, God acts towards David as he does towards all his people. And in fact, David's danger is just an illustration of dangers that we face. Um, Satan wants to seek and destroy our lives. And so that's a real danger, even though we don't see it every day. Uh, we don't see, um, you know, you know, we have good days, we have bad days, and on our good days we think, you know, everybody's our friend and, and life is just sweet and we're whist whistling a, a happy song. Um, but even on those good days, we have an adversary, we have an enemy, but it's good to know that God is going to put an end to our enemy. So what really he's talking about is not just our everyday situation that arises or goes through this web and flow up and down, but he's letting us know that as human beings, we have an ultimate enemy that we ourselves cannot defeat. And that enemy is Satan. That enemy is death. That enemy really is God's judgment. And God provides for the defeat of that enemy through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the real reason why we can rest assured that God is going to deal finally with every one of our enemies including death, including Satan, including destruction. God is going to deal with all that. Why? Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So Jesus fulfills the rescue that is for us, even more so a physical enemy that's attacking us. Yes, we have those, and God is able to guard us from that, and he does ultimately guard and protect us from that because he destroys, he literally destroys all the enemies. When does he do this? He does that in his final judgment. And so we suffer from time to time from different things, but he is, he, this, the psalmist is looking ahead to God's final victory, work of victory in our life, and resting in that, and finding comfort in that. And so can we. Because if in fact, God has settled that issue for us, everything else doesn't really matter. In other words, if we know we're going to win this battle in the end, all the little skirmishes don't discourage us because we know we're going to win. I like, um, you know, I'm a sports addict, and so I shouldn't say addict, but I, I like sports. Um, and oftentimes I don't have time to watch a game. Just yesterday, or Monday it was, I was watching a replay of the Bucks game. Now, I knew they were going to win. 
<laughs> I knew the score already, but I like to watch and see the, the journey that we're, they were going through. And as I was watching, I said, wow, that's getting kind of close, you know, <laughs> too close for comfort. But in the knowledge that I knew that they would win, I could watch and, and kind of just rest or just take it easy, watch and see what's going to happen. It's going to work out. And God is kind of doing that with our life. We go through these skirmishes, these daily battles, these, these um, we, we face these different circumstances. And when we're facing them, we kind of, we go through the up and down. But God is letting us know that we are going to win in the end because he has defeated all of our enemies. So we can actually walk in that confidence now. We can walk in assurance right now that God ultimately will defeat every one of our enemies. You know, some would think, in the case of Sister Beverly, how can you say God's going to defeat enemies when, in fact, the sickness has overtaken her? And we prayed for her, her wellness. We prayed for her to, to recover, and she didn't. They said, it, isn't it that, in fact, a, a defeat? It is a temporary defeat from our perspective. But from her perspective, what is it? <laughs> it's absolute victory. She had a conversation with Charles that basically said, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. And in fact, she was ready because of her faith. And she is now, the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He holds that precious. So he's been battling with them in their life, and he wins the ultimate victory. In typical God way, defeat brings victory. Or what seems like defeat brings, brings victory. The cross seemed like defeat to Christ and all his followers, but it brought ultimate victory for us. So then at the, at the end of this, he says, because of this, I want to worship God. Verse 6 with a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name. Think about giving thanks when he's hounded by enemies who want to kill him. He says, I'm going to give thanks to you. Why? Because by faith, he looked forward to what God had already promised and what was already sure. I give thanks because I know what God is doing, and he's going to defeat my enemies. <clears throat> He even says why. Look at the first word in verse 7. For. In other words, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For. Because. He has delivered me from what? Every trouble. He's already looking forward to God's ultimate victory. Because in this life, we, we think, no, every trouble he hasn't delivered us from. I still got bills to pay. I still get sick. Um, we still have death to deal with. But he's looking forward to his ultimate victory. He has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. It's like, he's, it, it's, it's like David has carried himself into the presence of God and is looking back on life and say, I made it. I'm victorious over everything because God has provided that for me. Let's look in that hope as we pray and as we comfort each other today. Evening, Saints.
Not every evening seems as good as other evenings. And so I wanted to comfort you, saints, in this meditation. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Can't help when you experience sadness and the death of somebody that was loved to have sadness. And so that should make us think. The scripture says it will produce in us wisdom if we approach it with the mindset that God wants us to have. And so that's the kind of meditation I want to give us today to start first with this, that sorrow produces wisdom. And when we experience sad things, it's not to be shielded from our children. It's not to be shielded from each other. We're not to act like we're not sad. We are sad. But that sadness is something that produces the qualities that God wants us to have. In John 11, Jesus had a good friend. His name was Lazarus. And he came to him and he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? It's an interesting question because he knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. Why did he weep? I believe because death itself is sad. It doesn't matter if we thought somebody was going to be raised again in the next minute. It's still sad. It's sad because it is the enemy of all men. It's the shadow that chases us that we cannot escape. It is the thing that seems to swallow up hope. Jesus wept. And I think there are some believers who go around giving a false hope. They say things like, we shouldn't be sad because Beverly is in a better place. She is. But I think that is sad advice to tell you not to be sad. If Jesus wept when somebody died, it's clearly a godly response to somebody's death. And it's a healthy response to somebody's death. So we should be sad. We don't even need to pretend we all should be sad. We all are sad. We accept that sadness. It's times like this where we should be sad. It will be something wrong with us if we were not sad. We're deeply sad. We hurt. But the scripture says this in 1 Thessalonians 4. But I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with them him those who have fallen asleep. Yeah, we're sad. It doesn't say don't grieve. It said don't grieve like others do. There should be something different about our grieving. We should grieve. But we should grieve with the faith. I believe that we have talked, taken too many phrases from the world. We say things like, she's gone. Is she gone? Or did she go to a place? Did she go to a place? Did she go to a place that we may one day meet her? Because she went to meet her God. First Corinthians says this. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man has also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. It should point us to the fact that we all will have a meeting with God one day. We must all meet with God. And we think that some that are old are closer and some that are younger, but in all honesty, we really don't know. We really don't know. And somebody that is wise takes that into account, but somebody that is foolish keeps on acting like that day is far off. And she was wise when she said, I'm ready. What if she would have said she wasn't? Would that have changed the fate of God? No. It's wisdom to accept God's will. In Revelations, this one, whenever I read it, it always put a little tear in my eye when I read this in sad times. And it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's how we comfort each other. Because we look to the return of our king. We look to that time when there won't be any more death. When I think about Mrs. Beverly, I think about the fact that she is in a younger body that doesn't need any more surgeries. That just like the man who was lame when Peter and John walked by and God raised him up. He was walking and leaping and praising God. She's dancing and jumping and praising God. I remember sometimes there would be a song that would be playing in church she really liked, and she'd be shaking her cane. She ain't going to have to shake her cane no more. She's going to be dancing because God gave her a new body. And so he will with us. 
And so sometimes death makes us think. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think we have to direct our meditation towards what God wants us to meditate on. Amen? anything until that time when I was by myself but I stuck to this passage I don't know that the Lord just gave me this passage and you all know it it's in Romans chapter 8 and I'm going to start in verse 26 just some this is really some confident words for believers Romans 8 26 says likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we're, when we're numb, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to help us. And he, know, and, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And that word glorified, it, it means is a praise of honor, something, some, to praise or honor something or someone in an extreme degree. God glorifies his saints. And then... In verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor death, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a blessing and what a testament for saints to hold on to. So. Tonight as we pray, we are all saddened, and we have our, our memories, but we can all hold on to this, the promises of God, our Savior.
still be praying for the family tonight and the, the process of uh, Beverly's home going. Are you saying something? So one of the things that we want to do is, is just pray um, in a special way for, for Charles, for Charmone, for Lawrence. So let's take some time to do that. Um, Charles and, and Charmone, you can stay where you are, but we'd like to just come around you for just a moment. And uh, you stay right there. We'll come to you. Let's just make a circle around these two. You can stay seated there if you want. Okay, that's fine, whatever you're comfortable. We have one mic here, but I'm gonna pass this around to a couple that uh, have pray. Um, we'll have um, do it in that order. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight because our hearts are broken. And we know yours is too. We know that death is not supposed to be part of our experience. So it's normal for us to feel pain and loss in this time. Like Brian said earlier, that's why you cried. And we know that Beverly is with you right now. <laughs> and if she could come back, she wouldn't want to. And we thank you, oh God, for the salvation that you've given her. We thank you, oh God, for choosing her before the foundations of the earth to belong to you and then making good on the promise that you, that you sealed in your own blood to call her finally to yourself and to be with you. And one day, Lord, we will see her again. And we thank you for that. We thank you that even in this time of, of, of grief and pain, that we do not grieve like those who have no hope because we know we have hope in you. And it is a, it is a true hope. And we thank you for that. Beverly's all right. But we are still here, oh God. And we pray now specifically for the family. We pray for Charles. We pray for Charmone. We pray for Lawrence. We pray for the other family members, oh God. We pray for your comfort as only you can give in this time. We pray for your presence to be felt in this time like in no other. And I pray, oh God, that you give us to fill our hearts with the love and the compassion that we need to rally around and to be vessels of your love to our brothers 
and our sisters in this time of need. And we pray through this all, God, that Beverly's testimony will speak volumes to those who, who, to family members and to friends, that they will see her testimony and that you will be glorified because we know that this is her desire and it's ours as well. Thank you for her life. Thank you for knowing her, for allowing her to be a part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear God, we come before you right now, Lord, with heavy hearts, knowing that we are going to miss our dear friend. We're just, I'm just so thankful, Lord, that, that she's no longer feeling pain and that she's never going to feel pain again, Lord. I'm thankful. It may seem like such a small thing, Lord, but I'm thankful that she was able to be at home and be by her husband and be able to tell her daughter that she loved her, Lord. And those things... In the, in the long run, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it just it gives us comfort, Lord. We're thankful that you had that mercy on us, that, you know, she was in her right mind, and she was at her own home, and she had a right relationship with those people, and that she was able to go peacefully into your arms, Lord. I just think of how long I've known her, Lord, since I was nine years old, and what a positive influence she's been in my life, and how she would tell us all the time that she prayed for us regularly by name, Lord. What a blessing that is. I just remember praying with her here in this very room, Lord. And I continue this prayer for her, Lord. Every time she prayed, she would pray for her son, Reggie, and her sister, Phyllis, Lord. They are still here, and they still have an opportunity to turn to you, Lord. I ask that you would help Miss Beverly's testimony be what breaks them and what shows them their need for you, Lord. I know that she is where she wants to be. She's where we all long to be, Lord. We long to be in your presence and to dwell there forever, Lord, but there are still people here that need to hear the gospel and that need to know who you are, Lord, and some of those will be here for her funeral, Lord. We ask that you would help us um, to, to just show them what her testimony really meant, Lord, that it wouldn't just be happy memories and wonderful thoughts, even though we do have those, Lord, but the most important thing was that she trusted you, even when she didn't know what was going to become of the tumor or what was going to happen while she was in the hospital, Lord, she fully trusted you with her life. Yes. You have always had her life in your hands, like you have the rest of us, Lord. And even though we were apprehensive and we didn't know what was going to happen, Lord, you were in complete control that whole time. We thank you for being a God of comfort. I thank you for Papa Charles and Charmone and just them being able to have each other and have sweet communion right now, Lord, to be able to to comfort them and to be a support for them, Lord. I ask you would help us to, to be that support, Lord, that we would be mindful of the loss that they've had, Lord, and um, not just offer empty platitudes, Lord, but that we would just look for opportunities to help them and encourage them, Lord. We, we don't want to see anybody fall away. We don't want to see anybody be ignored once the initial shock is gone. And it's easy to move on with our own lives, Lord, but to remember that they they're always going to feel that. They're always going to miss her. and We just want to be mindful of that, Lord, as we move on from this, Lord. I just thank you for just having a church here that recognizes the members that were here, Lord, that we know her testimony. We have assurance of her faith because we saw it, Lord. 
Um, that's one of the benefits of having a small church, that we do get to know each other, and we become important parts of each other's lives, Lord. And um, Because of that, we do all hurt when this happens, but it's also a beautiful thing, Lord, that we all do know that she was saved, that she was one of yours, and that we can rejoice knowing that, Lord. I ask you to just help strengthen us, Lord, as the church goes through this transition, and that um, as we just prepare for all the different events that, that comes with this, Lord, that we would be right testimonies ourselves, and and that we would just give her a, a funeral and a home going, Lord, that is glorifying to you, Lord. I ask that you would just help us to keep Charles and Shimon and Lawrence in prayer, Lord, and um, just to remember the ones that Beverly prayed for, for Reggie and Phyllis, Lord, that, that you would save them, Lord, and that you would just use her testimony to speak powerfully in their lives. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, you have guided us. All this time, Lord, you directed our paths and kept our paths straight, Lord, because we keep our eyes on you. And we, your people, Lord, we seek your honor, Lord, and your glory. We seek to please you. Even in our sadness, Lord, we seek to please you. And we seek, Lord, to understand your will and understand and have wisdom. You said don't be foolish and not know what the will of the Lord is. And so, Lord, your will is being revealed moment by moment. And it is revealed in such a way, Lord, that we know that you made us to be the body of Christ. Well, we know, Lord, that if a man hurts his finger, his whole body is reacting pain. And so, Lord, we are a body and we have members who are in deep pain. So we are all in pain. We share that pain, Lord. Help us to be a good body and share that pain. And it is by the sharing of pain that we deflect the lethal blows of mourning and depression that Satan tries to throw at us, Lord. Just like a piece of armor, it takes damage and it reflects it throughout the whole piece of armor so that it doesn't pierce and kill what's underneath. And so, Lord, we must be pieces of armor to this family that is in mourning, Lord, that has blows of pain and mourning, Lord, aimed at them. But then also, Lord, we just can't help but be thankful for all you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for saving Beverly, Lord. Where would we be if we had to pretend that she was somewhere better, Lord? Where would we be, Lord? Where would we be, Lord, if we didn't know for sure where she was? Where would we be, Lord, if we could remember all the funny moments we had with her? Where would we be, Lord, if we could remember all the moments our kids had with us? How she would give candy to the kids sometimes, Lord, and sometimes we didn't want her to give candy, and she was still giving candy, Lord. <laughs> remember those times, Lord, when she would say some things, Lord, that just make us laugh, Lord. You remember all the good things she loved. She loved that music, Lord. She would just be dancing. You'd be like, put that cane up, girl. She was still dancing because she loved you, Lord. And so we love her so much, Lord. And that's why we miss her, Lord, because we love her. And you gave us the opportunity to love somebody that was easy to love. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for her spirit, Lord. She was always trying to encourage somebody. She wasn't trying to come in here with no attitude. She was always coming in here, just had something to say, Lord. Sometimes it was crazy, but it was something to say. And we thank you because that was how she was, Lord. We want to remember her how she was. Now, we thank you, Lord, for this family. We thank you for Charmone. We call her Sweet Spirit, Lord, because she is just nice to everybody. It's hard to get Charmone all riled up, Lord. So we thank you for her. But she's very hurt right now because her mother has died. So we pray for her, Lord. Help her to keep her sweetness, Lord. Even as she's sad, help her to 
be herself. Help her to mourn properly, Lord. Help her to understand your will and how you are guiding her, how you are building her, how you are giving her a heart of wisdom. I pray for Brother Charles, Lord. You know how he is, Lord, how he wants to be strong, how he wants to be happy. But sometimes, Lord, he's going to have to reflect that sadness of losing his wife. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be strong for him, Lord. But also sometimes a man just needs some space when he needs to understand his own sadness. So help us to also have the wisdom for that. We pray for Lawrence, Lord. You know how you made him a rock, Lord, that supports his family, Lord, who does what he understands to do, Lord, who fixes things. He's a man of logic and rationality, Lord. So I pray that you would just bless him, help him to understand the things that are going on in his family and how to fix the things that are in his family. And, Lord, we pray for this church family, as we said before. But I think, Lord, this funeral coming up, we just got to use this as an opportunity to get out your word. We know it's going to be some that come that's going to be foolish when they come because they had a spirit of this world. They don't know how to handle things like this. They don't know how to handle anything because they don't have your spirit. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we will be a testimony to them that your word will strike through the heart, Lord. It says in your word, some people was cut to the quick. Me and Lawrence used to laugh at that phrase, Lord. But it means, Lord, that the heart is pierced. Conviction is felt. And so, Lord, we pray that this will be an opportunity for others to change their lives and serve you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this time to gather around. Yes, this is for Charmone. This is for Lawrence. This is for Charles. But this is for us. We, we hurt and we grieve as well with them. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you for that comfort that comes from you. We pray that comfort to each, um, each one of us and, and to this closest, absolutely closest to Beverly, to Charles for Charles, for Charmone, and for Lawrence. We pray, Lord, that you would just guide their thinking, guide their, their grieving in this process, Lord, um, so that they go through those steps in a way that is helpful to them to keep their mind on you and what you're doing in their lives and what you've promised. Give comfort, Lord, and, and help us through this time. It is... It shouldn't always surprise us, but Lord, I have to admit, it always does. Never ready for that. I thank you, Lord, that amongst us, um, many have experienced death of a loved one in, in, in some way. So we're surrounded. Um, we surround this family, and we have some experiences that we have shared, and they have experiences as well that helps them to um, work through this grieving time and this issue. It is indeed a time of dual things that seem to conflict and contrast. It is a time of sorrow, of sadness, of loss. And it is a time of reflection and joy and hope. And so, um, we realize that that's, that's the world that we live in that you have redeemed us from is that we still live in and around and face consequences of sin and yet you have redeemed us from the fullest consequence and, and uh, we look forward to your total redemption. So 
Help us during this time, Lord, as we minister to each other. We thank you for um, just your people here and for this time together. Give us wisdom in, in how to care for each other with the love that is fitting and is needed. We pray this in Jesus' name. That is the completion of our prayer time tonight.